Welcome to Season 4, Episode 1 of the Lonesome Podcast. I am your host today, Matt Palmer, and let me just tell you something right now, okay? I am so excited to the point where I just jumped out of an airplane with no parachute whatsoever that you are here today joining me on this podcast, taking the time uh, to listen to me and uh, listen to this very interesting episode uh, titled, Does God Pick Favorites? Now look, we, you know, I, I season three, I did two episodes talking about why I left the Mormon church, right? And part of this episode is is gonna, it's like, it's not like an add-on to that, but there's a section in there where I talked about how in the Mormon church, it basically teaches that God picks favorites and he makes like, the Book of Mormon makes it seem like to get to the celestial kingdom is a competition, right? You have to get married. You have to get baptized. You have to do servings for the dead, basically necromancy. You have to do this, that, and the other thing in order just to get to the celestial kingdom. And they treat it like some people are not going to get what others will in heaven. Now, I hate that. And I'm going to tell you why, but let's get into the more important stuff, right? So just to answer the question right off the bat, does God pick favorites? The answer is no. And that is simple enough. That should just end the podcast right here, right? But we're going to continue going on about why. Um, God does not pick favorites. Uh, how many episodes? It might have even been the second uh, part two series of the Mo- of why I left the Mormon church. I had like a moment in that episode where I like I got fl- I got livid and I said I said for like five minutes straight I was like God condemns favoritism and I just kept repeating it. I was like God condemns favoritism. Like do you understand that God condemns it? He does not pick favorites because if he pick favorites then I'm pretty sure Satan would still be in heaven even after rebelling against God, right? Um, God, or uh, Satan, yes, it's true. He was once God, he was once God's most beautiful angel. So therefore, you can point out the argument of, well, doesn't God pick favorites with his angels? He might, you know, but every angel serves God equally. Every angel, unless they rebel like the ones that followed Satan out of heaven, you know, every God, every angel loves God, right? God loves his angels equally, but it's not our responsibility as human beings created in God's image to figure that out, right? In, in the terms of a human perspective, right, in, in, in humanity's uh, POV, if you want to call it that, right, God does not pick favorites. If God is to pick favorites, the only person who I would be remotely okay with God picking, you know, giving them a portion of the pie more than anybody else is Jesus Christ himself. He's the literal and only begotten son of God. He's the, he's the one son of God, right? Um, that's who should be God's favorite, if not already. So let's get into this real quick. I have three Bible verses here that I've looked up and found, uh, partially online too, that I would like to discuss, okay? First and foremost, let's, t- let's point out Deuteronomy te- uh, chapter 10, verse 17, okay? It says, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God. Here it is right here, guys, showing no partiality and taking no bribe, right? No partiality and taking no bribe. God does not accept bribes. Now, in Genesis, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it was Genesis. Cain and Abel, we all know how Cain slayed Abel. I think that's how it went. I don't, I, I keep getting... Names mixed up, but or Abel slayed Cain or whatever. Um, I think it was Cain slayed Abel. Um, both of them, the the whole point of how one of the brothers killed the other was because they offered sacrificings to God, right? And God 
you know, he was pleased with one of them and the other one, not as much, right? And then the, uh, the brother that didn't get it as much went and killed the other brother. Pretty stupid thing to do, right? And yeah, that's just how it went. But God does not sit here and take bribes. He can take sacrificings, right? Offerings and stuff like that. Probably not anymore because it's not really a practice. But at the end of the day, that's how it went back in the day. But he does not take bribes, you know? Uh, here's another thing too. Back in the day uh, before Jesus died on the cross, like how to get forgiven of your sins was through bloodshed. So annually, you would have to take a lamb and sacrifice it and spill its blood to be, for, you know, to be forgiven. That's why when Jesus passed away, when he died on the cross, he literally had to shed blood, right? I mean, it's, it's stated in the Bible too. Like he did have to shed blood to atone for humanity's mistakes, to atone for um, the sins of humanity. Every single person living or dead that's lived ever since Jesus passed away, that person's blood, uh, that person can be forgiven just because Jesus shed blood and died on the cross, gave his life type thing, right? You understand that point, right? So let's go on to the second thing. There are two freaking verses here that are complete opposite chapters that say the exact same thing. One is Romans uh, chapter 2 verse 11, and the second one is Ephesians chapter 6 verse 9, and it says almost the exact same thing. For there is no favoritism with God. And I'm looking at my notes now and I feel like an idiot because I just spelled there wrong. But Romans uh, chapter 2 verse 11, Ephesians 6 chapter 9, there is no favoritism with God. I feel like that should explain to any Mormon, any bishop whatsoever that thinks that there's favoritism in God. That right there, read your Bible, not your Book of Mormon. That right there should sit here and tell you that there is no favoritism with God. Do you understand that, right? God does not pick favorites. He doesn't. There's a, in, 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 On the new earth, right, nobody's going to be sitting there uh, eating from the tree of life while somebody else is across the river just watching, not being able to eat it. No, everybody is going to be able to get it. If you go to heaven, you go to heaven, right? If you go to heaven, you should feel the same exact joys, the same exact pleasures, the same exact love, the same exact... Uh, just overall wonders of heaven as the next person. You know, there's nowhere in the Bible that says, okay, in order to experience this amount of, of joy, love, pleasure, etc. in heaven, you have to do a hundred million good works while you're alive. There's nowhere that says that. Like, the, it's, not a, it's not a chart, right? Now, it is stated in the Bible that we will be rewarded unequally, right? Because we have both sinned unequally and we have, we've been forgiven equally, right? Because everybody can be saved. Doesn't matter if you're a drug dealer, a human trafficker, a freaking murderer, everybody has the ability to be saved. Now, granted, a lot of humans wouldn't forgive a drug, uh, forgive a, you know, a human trafficker or whatever. But at the end of the day, God would, his ways are above ours, right? Um, and that goes back, before I continue, that goes back to the point of like, well, why would, why would God send a loving, you know, why would a loving God send people to hell? Well, you got the question twisted, you know, why would people choose hell over a loving God? You have to choose God because God chose you, right? It's up to you. Um, and he's given you a perfect person to take after Jesus, right? So that's my point right there. But in heaven, people don't have to, you know, you don't, you don't, I guess some people in in the LDS church would take the term. Let me just let me, let's just point this out real quick, okay? Let's point this out. 
The LDS Church takes the Bible verse, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If this were not so, I would not have told you. They take that term, they take that you know whole quote, In my Father's house there are many mansions, and say mansions meaning you know like kingdoms and stuff, right? That verse right there, In my Father's house are many mansions, primarily means there's enough room in heaven for everybody, right? People sit here and say, well, how's there, you know, you're talking about people who have been saved from Adam and Eve all the way to the to the last person before the second coming. That's a lot of people. That's that's probably trillions of people, not billions, trillions, right? That's a lot of people. Well, if that's the case, then isn't there going to be, you know, not enough room in heaven? No, there is. In my father's house, there are many mansions, right? I go now to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. That's literally how the quote goes. doesn't say, okay, you have to do a certain amount of things to get into this mansion, to get into that mansion, to get into this one, that one. No, 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 no. No, that's not how this works. And if you think that's how it works, I think you're pretty pretty into favoritism, right? Um, but, yeah. That's the thing with you. That's the thing with you uh, Mormons. Now, for those of you who are new here, like, I, I'm an ex-Mormon, right? I'm ex-LDS. I am strictly faithful and spiritual to God. I put relationship over religion. I'm not part of any religion besides Christianity, I guess, if you want to consider that a religion. But I read my Bible and I believe in Jesus Christ and what he did. I don't believe that my works get me into heaven. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross and then admitted to the universe, it is finished. That's what I believe in. I don't believe that no matter how many good works, it's not going to get me into heaven. No matter how many baptisms of the dead, that's not going to get me into heaven. No matter how many, you know, if I get married in the temple, that's not going to get me into heaven. No, what's going to get you into heaven is Jesus, right? Jesus said specifically and only, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, right? So you Mormons that sit here and say to get to the celestial kingdom, you got to get married, you got to do this, that, and the other thing, you got it completely wrong. You just got to accept Jesus as your freaking Lord and Savior and accept the gift of eternal life, right? What, enough with all this like work your way to heaven crap, right? You don't work for your salvation, right? This is the thing with favoritism that it gets wrong about God. Favoritism is not in God's character, right? You don't work for your salvation. You work out your salvation. You receive your salvation and work it out. Well, Matthew, what if you don't work it out? Well, then that means you're dead. There's no point, right? But as long as you are living and as long as you are a born again person in, in the eyes of God, you are working out your salvation, right? Because when you receive a new, when you are born again, that's why they consider a born again Christian. When you are a born again Christian, you have the heart to want to serve God. You have the heart to want to please and, and give pleasure to God and want to give your love towards God, right? That's what it is, you know? And if you don't feel that way, then you're not truly saved. Or if you're not truly saved, or actually if you are saved and you don't feel that, that just means you're on a spiritual journey. Let me tell you something before we continue with this favoritism topic. When I was saved in 2020, right? When I was saved, like officially saved, when I stopped putting, you know, Mormon standards in front of the salvation of Christ, like I, I went for months on end where I was not feeling good about God. Like I would have like a week of feeling really happy and, you know, I was feeling uh, on fire for the Lord. And then I'd have like an entire month where I was just divulging in sin. I was smoking weed. I was, you know, banging broads. I was doing all this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> banging broads. I found, I sound like Tommy C. But yeah, no, 
I'm just saying like there was times on, on, on end in my early, you know, born again life where I was just not feeling for God. I was going months on end and then weeks only for God, right? Nowadays, every single day, I make a goal to get closer to God. Now, granted, I fail at that goal a lot, but that's just part of the spiritual journey, you know? That's my point. So this whole Mormonism ethics thing where, you know, if you don't do this, you're not going to be able to experience, you know, a certain amount of heaven. I don't support that. That is favoritism and favoritism is not a part of God's character. What more do you need to, to, to read that, right? Um, we're talking about the same Mormon ethics that said that God is a God of flesh and bone. No, God is pure spirit, right? That's what it says in the Bible. And if you want to take God to court, Listen to what I just said too. Don't, like really listen to what I just said. If you want to take God to court and argue with him, you're going to have one hell of a time trying to get past him, right? I mean, you're arguing with his word and his word is never, ever changing, right? It is truth. It is stand fast. It is truth. And you want to argue against the truth with the Book of Mormon. Okay, check yourself, right? Man, I, I, that's all I got to say about that. But anyways, Acts, te, uh, Acts uh, chapter 10, verse 31. This is what I hope everybody says at the end of this podcast. Acts uh, chapter 10, verse 31 says, Now I truly understand that God does not show favoritism. God doesn't show favoritism. Let me tell you something. If God showed favoritism, there would be three things in particular that I think would happen, right? One, Satan would still be in heaven and not rebel, like even if he tried to go higher than God, God probably would have let him, right? He probably would have put, he probably would have put, he probably would have put Satan higher than Jesus in his position if, if he picked favorites. Let me just tell you that much, right? Um, you know, while, while, while Satan was an angel, Jesus is the son of God, right? He's not an angel. He's the son of God, you know? Um, he would have put an angel higher than the son of God which would be extremely effed up, right? So I have three points here that I want to bring up about favoritism with God too. We have the three verses. Actually, it might be four. Yeah, four. But I have three points that I want to go into real quick, okay? So pay attention and pray about this if you have to. Pause the podcast and pray about this if you need to. But I just want you to pay attention to what I'm about to talk about, right? Okay, favoritism. First one, favoritism is contrary to God's values, right? God does not value favoritism. He values the human heart, soul, spirit, and eternal life. The reason, see, when I read Job, because Job is such a, just a wonderful chapter in, in the Bible. It's so awesome, right? Now, I understand, before I get into this, I understand God kind of told Job off because Job was getting cocky and arrogant. But at the end of the day, like, it has so much symbolism in it. You know, it, 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 when you really go in depth about when when God was talking to Job through the thunderstorm, right, saying like, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Can you hold the, the, the stars of Orion's belt together? Like that type of stuff, right? Like it really shows that God was not bragging. It's more like he's saying, hey, Job, I'm giving you reasons as to why you can trust me. I'm not sitting here telling you off and telling you that you're a piece of crap. No, I'm sitting here telling you reasons why you have so many reasons to trust me, why I can help you, right? When Satan can't make you a tuna fish sandwich, even if he tried, right? He couldn't find his ass in a well-lit room with his hands tied behind his back, as we like to say on this podcast, you know, excuse my language, but still, right? So that's my point. <clears throat> it's not, it's not, favoritism is not a part of God's values. He values the heart. 
he has, like, as I was saying with Job, he values a personal connection to all life, you know, uh, especially those created in his image. I like to think about the planets when I, when I read Job and when I talk about, like, when I think about favoritism and stuff, because God does not, and I said this a while back too, like, God does not rush a flower growing, right? He does not say, okay, hurry up. No, he makes it, he, he lets it take its time. When it's a rainy day outside and everybody's wishing that it would be sunnier, God doesn't just split the sky in two seconds. No, he makes the clouds take its precious, patient time to dissipate, right? He doesn't rush it. Now, granted, <laughs> when Moses split the sea, you know, the Red Sea, oh yeah, he, he didn't take his time there. He, he split that sea right in two, but in modern day perspective, modern day life, right? It's patient. God's values fall in patient category, but it doesn't fall in the terms of favoritism. He doesn't pick favorites and say, okay, this person, like, it, like for instance, Job again, right? Like Job was a good servant to God. He really was. And when Satan went back to heaven and God asked him, where have you came from? Satan said, I've came to and fro, right? And he basically kind of went to court with God. He accused Job and said, look, God, Job, the only reason why he serves you and worships you and loves you is because you just give him stuff. You just bless him. That's all you do. You don't, you know, he doesn't serve you because he loves you. He serves you because you bless him and give him gifts and everything. That's what you do, God. And he said, let me take away everything from Job and just watch him hate you, God. And God said, all right, you can do this, but you can't do, you know, you can't take his life. You can't harm, you know, whatever, whatever. And Satan said, all right, bet. And then Satan went and took almost everything away from God, or from, not God, from Job, right? But to Job, God was everything that he needed, you know? So that's my point. God does not pick favoritism, just like when he picked favoritism with Job. Um, God let Satan take everything away from Job. And then guess what God did? He blessed Job two times over. It was like, it was more like 10 times over. He really blessed Job like way over the limit, but he didn't, he didn't bless him when he's already been blessed enough. No, he he disciplined Job through Satan, right? See, this is the problem with you Satanists. You guys don't realize this because you guys are so full of yourselves, but the, the guy that you're worshiping is, is such a puppet. I mean, God's got his hand up his ass and just playing him like a puppet. And you guys sit here and worship him. It's pathetic, right? Like, the book of Job really explains how Satan is just a mere, like, he's, he's just a puppet, right? I mean, God uses him as a puppet to prove his point. That's how stupid and weak Satan is. That's how much of a less of a human being he is, you know? He's not even a human being, but I'm saying he's, that's how less he is on the conscious level. He's just an idiot, right? He's smart in certain areas, but a majority of it, he's one shade off of being a retard. Excuse my language, but it's true. Anyways, let's get to the second point. Favoritism is a sin, right? People will sit here and sarcastically say, especially in the Mormon church, sex is a sin. Yeah, sex is a sin when it's in prostitution. Yes, it's a sin. Damn right. Sex before marriage could be considered a sin too because, I mean, if you meet your girlfriend and you've only been dating her for three months and you barely love this chick and then you end up having sex with her, that could be considered a sin too. Now, granted, if you do love her and you have sex with her and you know that you're going to be with her for the rest of your life, okay, that's probably not a sin. My point being, right, um, favoritism is a sin, right? Favoritism is going against God's morals, against God's character. God is a just God, right? If God was to pick favorites, it would be God sinning. When we are here on earth, right, 
we pick favorites, sometimes unknowingly, you know? A lot of you people that live in large families with lots of brothers and sisters, you'll recognize that your parents pick favorites, right? The youngest one always gets the, gets the most charity, gets the most favorite. You know, he's the, he's the most favorited, right? The oldest one, like a mom will say, go clean your room. And then they go clean the room and they're like, can I go out now? And the mom says, absolutely not. You stay in tonight. But I clean my room. It doesn't matter. But the youngest one will be like, can I go to Josh's? And she's like, did you clean your room? No. All right, you're fine. Just do it later, right? That's favoritism. But God doesn't do that. You know, he doesn't sit here and say, okay, uh, you you go eat at the tree of life. You go and build a house. You go do, uh, you go and relax on the beach. You go do this, that, and the other thing. He doesn't say that on the new earth, right? He's not going to say that. Everybody's going to be treated equally. Everybody's going to be loved equally. That's why they say when you enter heaven, you're overtaken by the presence of God, right? You're fulfilled. You're overtaken. It's completely every atom of your body is filled with the love of God. But that doesn't mean that God just sits here and gives you a certain amount of his love and then gives somebody else all of it. No, that, that, that's not how it works. And for you people in Mormonism, you people in the LDS church who preach that need to shut up and stop preaching that because that's very, very wrong. That's very, you're actually accusing God and calling him a liar, calling him a sinner because you are, you are pointing out that God picks favorites. God does not pick favorites. I will, you know what? Let me bet this right now. I will bet my actual salvation that God does not pick favorites. God does not pick favorites. And that is just that. Ooh, that's just an opinion. No, it's a damn fact. It's a fact. Because if, listen, there's a hundred examples I can give you as to why God does not pick favorites. I said three of them already. Job, Satan, and Jesus, right? Jesus should be the only one if, if God picked favorites, he should be the only one that gets more of the pie than we do, right? But we inherit all that Jesus gets. We inherit all that Jesus has because Jesus loves us so, 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 so very much, right? And he wants us to have what he has. He's not a hog. He doesn't hog it all at the dinner table. No, 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 no. That's not it, right? So let's get back into this, right? So here's the third point, and this is a really good one, actually. Favoritism is inconsistent with God's character. It's kind of self-explanatory when you really think about it. But favoritism is not, or I almost said non-existent, inconsistent with God's character. Let's say that God did pick favorites, right? And aside from Jesus Christ, let's say that he picked favorites in humanity, you know? Okay. Second coming, God, res or, uh, everybody, after the judgment day, that's what I'm trying to say here. After judgment day, new earth, new heaven, right? celestial earth, etc. If God was to pick favorites, both on the celestial earth and in modern day life, our world would be even more corrupt than it is now, right? I want you to think about this analogy first before I get into why uh, favoritism isn't consistent with God's character. Picture this. Our world is a fire. Picture our world being on fire, right? And, and fire represents sin, so our world is on fire with sin. Satan is pouring gasoline on that fire everywhere he can find it, right? In some areas where there's there's a little amount of fire, he's pouring more gasoline on that, right? Anywhere he can find sin, he's going to pour gasoline on that fire and he's going to rage it and rage it and rage it until nothing is not on fire, right? He's going to do that. God... He wouldn't fuel that fire, particularly because it's sin. He would extinguish it, right? In the same terms, you can put it like this. 
God does not pour a certain amount of gasoline on a certain amount of people's fires. No. He wants to humble us and get us through everything. See, God deserves all of the glory for a freaking reason. If God was consistent with favoritism, right? I'm pretty sure that other people would be sharing the same glory that God does, right? We don't glorify. See, when you glorify somebody or something, that's called idolization. You're idolizing something, right? Um, that's why God condemns favoritism because when we pick favorites, if God himself picked favorites and he said, all right, worship this statue of me, right? You could basically call that the mark of the beast if you wanted to or the image of the beast. Um, that is favoritism. That is idolization. That I think I think you know what? I'm gonna go as far to say this. I think idolization and favoritism can be two peas in the same pot. They might even be the same, like by by dictionary definition, they might fall into the same exact category, right? Idolization and favoritism. Because God said himself, He is a jealous God. When you sit there and, and, and idolize marijuana, right? Like I used to do when I was younger. When you idolize marijuana, when you idolize sex, when you idol, when you men in the Mormon church idolize your women over over Jesus, God gets jealous. And I got to be real with you right now. I I can't blame him like at all. I'm not, even I've done this. I've idolized things before, right? And it's my fault, you know. Like if God was to pick favorites, he'd be going against his own code of conduct, if you want to call it that. He'd be going against his own character. That's why it says. Favoritism is not uh, it, it, it's inconsistent with God's character. It's not a part of his character. When you look at God's character, you see a lot of things, right? You see good, you see great, you see glory, you see power, um, omnipresent, omni-knowing, omni-loving, all-loving, the creator, the father. You see a lot, a lot, eternal amount of good things. But one of those eternal good, you know, there's if you listed out the characteristics of God, you're going to see an, a line that goes on for eternity. But out of that line of eternity, you're never going to see the word favoritism. You're never going to see the word God picks – or the sentence God picks favorites, right? You're never going to see that. It's just not happening, right? Um, that's my point. Uh, yeah, that's just that right there. That's actually the third and last point right there, you know? Um, the rest of this podcast, I really want to – let's put this down. I really want to go in depth about favoritism and God and stuff like that, right? In let's let's point out let's 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 point out you Satanists out there real quick and just make fun of you idiots for a second, alright? Now, I know. God said love one another, love your enemies. And even though Satanists, people who worship Satan, are our enemies as we are children of Christ, that doesn't mean we can't, you know, sit here and call out what they're worshiping, right? If somebody claims to love God but then goes and idolizes something else, you have to call them out, right? You have to because that's what Jesus has instructed us to do. Um, but if somebody sins, and for you bishops out there that happen to be listening, pay attention to what I'm about to say, okay, because this drives me crazy. Um, if somebody sins, right? Actually, let's use this example. Let's say you have three kids, right? You have three children, and all three of them – you're a father or a mother, and all three of them come to you, and they, they, they confess they did different sins, right? All three of them did different sins. You know, let's say that you had one is the youngest, one is the middle child, and one is the oldest, right? Let's say you sit there and condemn the oldest one for, I don't know, having sex with his girlfriend, right? You say, you're going to hell. You're doing this, that, and the other thing, right? You, you, you're going to hell. Let's say the middle child... 
he stole a freaking laptop from school, right? You sit there and you partially condemn him. You're like, all right, return that tomorrow and let make, nobody should hear that you did this, right? Go return that when you get back to school. And then the youngest child beat up somebody at school. I mean, completely shattered his nose, beat the crap out of somebody. And you sit there and say, did they bully you? Good job. You bullied them back, right? And you just kind of like, you kind of give him praise for that, right? You know? Do you see the point here? With Jesus, with God, he would not sit there and, and pick favorites because whoever's the youngest, whoever's the oldest. What he'd do is he'd discipline correctly in a way that is loving because God is a, our heavenly father is not like our earthly father where he pulls out the belt and starts beating you with it. No, 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 not at all. He would sit there and discipline and say, hey, look, what you did, you need to learn from it. That was wrong. You should not have done that and you will not do it again. Because if you do it again, then you're just going to keep driving yourself down this rabbit hole, right? God would forgive you if you showed repent, repentance, right? He wants all of us to come to repentance. Now that doesn't, listen, let me tell you something right now. Oh, but you got to repent to get into heaven. Mm, no, it's required to live a good life, right? A holy life, but it's not required to get into heaven, you know? Now granted, no sin can enter heaven, but you get the point. All of our sin has been forgiven through Jesus. So God would sit there, he'd say to the oldest child, he'd say, listen, I want you to refrain um, from having sex with your girlfriend. And if you absolutely cannot refrain from doing it, and you love this girl so much to the point where that's the, you know, you're, you're wanting to have sex with her because you, you love her so much, go marry her and then do it correctly. Because God, str God strictly and specifically said to us, do not abstain from certain practices like don't abstain from sex because you know if you and your wife you mormons out there really need to listen to this podcast and pay attention to the shit i say because a lot of you out there you abstain from sex more than the day more than the sun rises and goes down in the day man right i mean you'll sit there and have sex once a, once a month that's embarrassing and i know that guys like i, I know guys my age they idolize sex, right? You'll go on Tinder and that's all they look for. But like for the for the actual people out there that that follow the rule of thumb, right? And, and and follow God's commandments to not abstain from such practices, right? Stop having sex once a month. You should be having it multiple times a week or yeah, just have it to the point where you too can prevent Satan from tempting you. That's the point that I'm trying to make, right? In terms of favoritism with, with a couple, right, um, and sex and stuff like that, don't <laughs> – you get the point, right? I'm trying to, like, figure out. I guess my point is just don't abstain from certain practices. But the second child, the middle child, right, middle child, okay, he, he stole a laptop from school, right? If God said to that – if God had the chance to speak to that kid and say, hey, look, he wouldn't, he wouldn't sit here and – beat the night out of that kid just for stealing the laptop from school, right? Because God is a just God, he would most likely have that kid go through the full punishment. Probably have him go return that laptop to school, confess that he did it, and if he had any legal parameters to suffer through, well, suck to suck, you commit the sin, you do the time, you do the or you commit the crime, you do the time, right? The other kid, the the youngest one who the earthly parent would favorite, that beat the beat the daylight out of another kid at school, right? Broke his nose. I mean, completely bloodied his face out, right? 
God would most likely instruct that kid to do everything in his power to help that kid that he just beat the hell out of the earlier today, right? You know? He probably wouldn't sit here and say, okay, well, he bullied you, so it's justified, right? Probably say, hey, look, go and help him. You know, go see how he's doing. Apologize to him first off. Apologize to him and help him out, right? Now, granted, I'm not trying to, like, speak for God. I'm just saying this is how it would probably go, but I might not be 100% accurate. That's my point, right? I want to take a moment to discuss, like, in in the LDS church, because I I do have a lot of viewers that live in Utah, because I do live in Utah. Um, that are LDS, and I want you to I want you to understand this, right? The Book of Mormon, it does have some truth in it. Now, I'm not trying to call God's word not truthful, but there are so many contradictions to the Bible in the Book of Mormon. Here, here's my point, right? Every single day that you live your holy life, you should implement the Bible some way or another into your life, right? That's why you guard your mind with the scriptures, you know? When Satan attacks your mind, you fight back in spiritual warfare with scripture, with the literal word of God breathed onto a book. By the way, before I continue this point, I was talking to a friend yesterday about this. What interesting way, what an interesting way that God chose to speak to us, right? Out of out of the millions of ways God could have, could have communicated with us when when you know trying to teach us, He chose to write a book. Like that's that's awesome. You know that's dope. It's understandable. It's simple and it's ethical, logical. Right, a book. That's cool. So let's get back into this. Right, um, in the Book of Mormon, right, it teaches about the three kingdoms. Right, the celestial kingdom, to the telestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom. You know, and outside of that is outer darkness. Right. As I stated before, and I, I keep in mind, if I get somebody saying, "Well, you don't, you do, you clearly don't study Mormonism," it's like I spent, I spent almost fifteen years in it, probably more than fifteen years, right? And the entire time, it was just shoving down my throat. You need to do a lot of things just to get to the highest kingdom of God, right? Now, granted, let's say that the, what the book, let's say everything in the Book of Mormon is true, right? You know. By that logic, by that same logic, the lowest kingdom, I mean, it would have its own, it, it, would, it would be enough to make anybody go, wow, I really want to go there, right? Even the lowest kingdom, right? But it also teaches that people will not be able to see Jesus or the Father. They might be able to see the angels and the Holy Spirit will teach them, but yeah, no, 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 let's, let's get this correct. Okay, back on point. Compare what people, the by uh, uh, the Book of Mormon, different things, anything and everything in your life, compare it to what the Bible says. The Bible is the literal word of God. It is the spoken truth of God, right? If you want answers about aliens, go to your Bible. If you want answers about uh, problems in life such as loneliness, go to your Bible. If you want to learn more about God, definitely go to your Bible. If you want to learn the answers to life, go to your Holy Bible. There's a reason why it's called the Holy Bible, okay? Now, the reason why I'm targeting the Book of Mormon specifically is because a lot of you LDS members, you idolize the Book of Mormon. You put it above God's Word, right? The same book 
that said that God is a God of flesh and bone that completely contradicts what the Bible says. The Bible says God is pure spirit. That's why they consider God the invisible God. He's not a God of flesh and bone. Okay, God is pure spirit. If God was a God, you know, the Book of Mormon also said too, and speaking of favoritism, this is stupid, right? It also said that God was once a man living on a planet, right? As God as God is, man will become, and as man is, God once was. Like, no way. No way. You're telling me that God was once a mortal man, just another human being on the planet, right? No way. What was his name? John? Xavier? Lucas? No. Right? Come on. Like, be realistic here. You know? Open your dang holy Bible. Open your Bible and read it. And compare the Book of Mormon to the Bible. I'm not trying... I hate calling the book... I, I, I can't believe I have to repeat this. I hate calling the LDS Church a cult, even though it has such gigantic cult values and even though it chases the money, right? But, man, dude, a lot of you do, like idolize the book of mormon to the point like favorite it over the bible to the point where it comes off as a cult like following you know like it teaches in the terms of favoritism that uh like let's go through this real quick let's actually take our time to go through this the three kingdoms as i explained the celestial terrestrial telestial etc right so in the celestial kingdom which is the highest kingdom where god himself resides he dwells right is um that's where God is, right? And men who reach that place will be able to have their own planets and be gods of their own planets, right? And that is also the celestial kingdom is the only kingdom in heaven where you will be able to procreate and have your own kids and still be married in heaven, right? Uh, again, as it states in the Bible about marriage, in heaven, we will not be given in marriage. We will become like the angels in heaven, right? Because there were these people in the Bible that basically were trying to catch Jesus in a, in a, to catch Jesus off guard, and they said, "Well, if a woman dates six, you know, if a woman marries six men and all all you know six of them die, who's she going to end up married to in heaven?" And God said, "Well, she's not going to be married in heaven. We're not going to be given in marriage, right? We're not going to be married or given in marriage in heaven. You know, we'll be like the angels. Now, granted, we'll have soulmates. Yes, I understand that. You know, but." We probably won't be given in marriage. Now, on a thousand years, yeah, we'll probably figure that out then, but different story, right? In the celestial kingdom, it says, oh, you'll still continue to be married. You'll still be this, that, and your other thing. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says, okay? Um, it, te it teaches that women will, the sole purpose for women is just going to be to, uh, this is the favoritism part specifically. It favorites men over women. It's disgusting. It teaches that women are just going to be there to procreate and, and be freaking slaves to their husbands. That's pretty fucked up if you ask me, okay? Like, practice what you preach. That's pretty disgusting. Heaven is going to be a place where everybody, man or woman, man or woman, is going to be treated equal. It's not going to be a place where men are favored over the women and women just have to go sit in the sidelines. No, 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 no. And I'm not trying to act like a simp here, okay? Because I know a lot of know a lot of these younger people are going to be like, oh, you're just being a simp. No, 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 that's not it at all. I'm just explaining that heaven is not going to be favoriting men over women. It's going to be women and men being in unison, uh, sons and daughters, of God. That's why it says specifically, we must become children of God in order to enter heaven. We have to become children of God, right? We are sons and daughters of God. In heaven, we're not going to be gods of our own planets. And if we are, then where's that written in the Bible? 
No Mormon is going to answer that. No one. No one is going to answer that. They're just going to say, well, in the Book of Mormon. I'm not asking about the Book of Mormon. I'm asking about the Bible, right? That's my point. The second kingdom teaches that people will be able to see Jesus, but they won't be able to live with him or dwell with him. Okay, but in the Bible, right? This directly contradicts the favoritism in the Book of Mormon of the second kingdom, right? In the Bible, it specifically says, Jesus himself said this. He said this. He said, I go now to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. So why is it this that Jesus, we can't dwell with him if we're in the second kingdom, but he specifically told us where I am, you will be also. Huh? No answer. There's never an answer. Okay. The third kingdom, the lowest of them, right? Teaches, this is the, this is, listen, if the, if the Book of Mormon is, is wrong about this, this is probably the most blasphemous, heretic statement I will ever see in the Bible besides blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the unforgivable sin, okay? The third kingdom teaches that people will not be able to see God or the Son, but only be taught by the Holy Spirit and they will uh, maybe see angels. That's pretty, excuse my language, that's fucked up up fucked up in heaven you will be with god it is called the kingdom of god for a freaking reason it's not called the kingdom of the celestial kingdom no it's the kingdom of god right this is my this is why i absolutely hate favoritism because it puts people in this position of less responsibility more value right so in the celestial kingdom less responsibility Excuse me, I just like burped right there. Less responsibility, more value, right? You get to you get the value of your own planet and less responsibility where you just get to sit back and be the god of your own planet, right? When in all reality, heaven is considered our rest, right? For those of you who are going to be going in the rapture, right? And during the seven years, uh, the seven year tribulation on the planet, right? Everybody in heaven is going to be entering their rest, Right? That's why, you know, one of the greatest things that God is going to say on Judgment Day, if not the greatest thing, is, well done, my good and faithful servant, now enter into your rest. The worst thing that he could say, and the worst thing he is going to say is, you know, depart from me, ye of lawlessness, and some, some translations say, depart from me, ye of iniquity, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, right? That doesn't mean rest. That means everlasting fire, everlasting torment, day and night for eternity of eternities, right? Um, you know, we enter in our rest, okay? God doesn't pick favorites and say, okay, you need to enter into heaven and you need to go do this, go do the dishes. No, he doesn't say that. He says, enter into your rest. Enter into your rest, right? That's just the thing, you know? I understand that in heaven... Whoever was a king on earth will continue to be a king in heaven. Like you continue, you continue that uh, priority of yours, whatever it is, right? That that position that you had on earth. I get that. That's why I. That's why in my notes I literally said, "God is the God of gods, and the Lord of lords," right? But He's still the all-seeing, all-loving, omnipresent, omni-knowing, etc. God, right? Um, I just believe that. Everybody in heaven will be treated equal, you know? When we, 
when we get resurrected, we're all going to receive uh, resurrected, glorified bodies. Glorified bodies that are precisely just like Christ's body. But there'll also be bodies that will be able to withstand and completely be fulfilled in the glory of God. If our human alone bodies were to enter into the presence of God, I guarantee they'd be disintegrated entirely. Because God's glory is so, it's so great, right? Um, but in the terms of Mormonism, you know, celestial, terrestrial, telestial kingdoms, some people are not even going to be able to see God. Well, how, how, the, how the heck does that work, right? How can you enter into heaven and not see God? How can you enter heaven and not see Jesus? How can you enter into heaven and not, you know, feel the love of God? Really? Matthew, the Holy Spirit's going to teach them in the Holy Trinity. It specifically says they're not going to see God. They're not going to see Jesus in the lowest kingdom. Talk about favoritism. Does God pick favorites? Right? Okay, you, you, you were a piece of crap on the earth, but you accepted my son, Jesus Christ. Okay, you go to the lowest kingdom. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. This life, let me tell you something. This life is so temporary, Right? I've only been alive for 20 years out of 14.7 billion years of the universe. Out of 14 billion years of the universe existing, 14, point, or 14 billion years, I've only been alive for 20 of it, right? And 14 billion years over the course of eternity, it, it's, it's nothing. Not, I wouldn't even go as far to say barely anything. It's literally nothing, Right? This life is, is, is temporary. It's to prepare us for the love, joy, excitement, pleasure, and good of heaven that is to come, right? See, our final destination isn't heaven. It's the new heavens, the new earth, the celestial earth. And for those of you who, who worship astrology and, and, you know, oh, the star signs, Aquarius and all this bullshit, right? Like you people would know something about the 5G earth, something like that, right? The celestial kingdom being on the planet. God's ultimate dwelling place isn't heaven where it is right now. God's ultimate dwelling place is the new earth, right? The tabernacle of God become on earth and God will be with his people and he will be there they will be his people right that's my point so yeah that's just my point right in heaven god doesn't you know he doesn't send certain people to lower kingdoms and say all right you're not going to be able to see me here men women children if you have a disability, it doesn't matter if you're gay, it doesn't matter if you're transgender, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, it doesn't matter who you are. What matters is where your heart is when you enter heaven. Because if your heart is full of hatred and your heart is just, you, you love the devil, I guarantee you, you're not going to get into heaven, right? No wonder why. You're following the guy who got kicked out of heaven. How much of a, you know, they say the biggest loser is a TV show where a bunch of fat blokes run around lifting tires and losing weight. I consider the biggest loser to be the devil himself. You know, how much of a loser do you have to be to get thrown out of heaven, right? So to you Satanists out there who also greatly pick favorites, talk about worshiping the biggest loser. Look in the mirror for once, will ya? Anyways, in terms of the Mormon LDS church, Right? Teaching people that 
if you're a guy in heaven, you'll be able to have your own planet and worship over it. But if you're a girl, all your whole sole purpose is is just to follow your guy with a bunch of other girls and pleasure him and give children. And that's all. You're, you're a slave practically, right? Also, you want to sit here and say that people in the lowest kingdom won't be able to see God. Also, you want to teach that you have to work your way to the highest kingdom, right? See, all of that amounts to favoritism. And as I stated three times... God condemns favoritism. Favoritism is not a part of God's character. And also, it is inconsistent with God's character. Right? God, look, he's blessed people more than he's blessed another. I completely get that. Right? You know, you look at, this is the one thing that I like about the Mormon church, is you look at the 12 apostles, these old farts, right? And they're really humble. They're really happy. They're constantly smiling. They're living good lives. And people sit here and say, like, like Uchtdorf, right? That guy, he's a great dude. I hope to meet him. He's awesome, right? These guys are happy, humble, and, 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 and everything, you know, three ways to Sunday, quite literally, because God blesses them greatly. And people can point out, well, why does God bless people and then make others suffer? Because it's all equal at the end of the day. God will bless somebody who's already suffered, right? But let me tell you something. God gives uh, the toughest battles to his strongest soldiers, you know? But he will never sit here and say, okay, well, I'm giving this guy a tough battle because he's a piece of crap on earth. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Did you know that God actually disciplines his own, right? He will send his own away from his presence for a time and then bring them back stronger, but he never sits there and just holds this one person higher than, you know, above reproach when they don't deserve it, right? It goes back to that same corollary question of, well, why does God, why does a loving God send people to hell, right? Well, no, why does, why do people, why do, let me tell you something, why do people <laughs> choose hell over a loving God, right? God loved us first. He loved the world. He loved the world so much. He sent. That's how the. That's literally how the scripture goes. He loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten Son. That whosoever believed in him doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl, if you have Down syndrome, or if you have any disability whatsoever, if you're black, white, transgender, gay. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe in the will of the Father, you will enter heaven. Right. Let me tell you something too. Our ultimate destination by default was hell. It is hell, right? It's not heaven. It's hell. Picture this, okay? Picture this. This is a simple analogy. And this completely debunks favoritism, right? I want you to picture a line going straight, like going right. You know, I want you to picture a, an infinite line going forward, okay? I shouldn't have said infinite, but... At the end of that line is heaven, and it's the gate to heaven, right? That's where the line ends, okay? Humanity is not only on that line, but they're going the opposite direction. They're not going towards heaven. They're going away from heaven. They're going away. So at the other end of that line is hell, right? Humanity is going towards hell. Now, at some point on that line... God above sent Jesus to go on that line, die for humanity's sins, shed blood, his own blood, right? And save the planet, save the world, save humanity from their own sins and atone for their mistakes, right? So Jesus came down on that line and then he goes right back to heaven, right? So instead of him going along that line, he goes right through that line all the way to heaven. 
So humanity that was previously going to hell, if they choose to get on Jesus' line, they could go straight to heaven because their salvation is in Christ. It's not in their own works. They choose to get on the line that Jesus went on and they go straight to heaven, right? But the statement also says, broad and wide is the gate to destruction, gate to hell, and short and narrow small and narrow really, is the gate to heaven and few will find it. In modern day life, this really proves true. And this also condemns, this also cooperates with favoritism, right? Um, in modern day life, right? The American dream, you know, get married, live in a big house, get rich, right? It's kind of favoritism at, at its finest, right? Get rich, money, you know, if you have money, you know, in California, if you have money, Sometimes you, or even just clout, right? Like you have to have a certain amount of Instagram followers to enter into a club, you know? And in Miami, if you have a million dollars, you're considered broke. I'm not even joking you, by the way, that's how it goes. Um, if you have a million dollars, you're considered broke, right? Um, that's how favoritism plays out on earth. But in heaven, you know, as I stated in one of the first points, God doesn't accept bribery. You can't you can't pay your way into heaven. You can't you can't say to God on judgment day, I promise you I will pay you more money than you can even think of. I will pay you five million dollars if you let me into heaven. Just please. Not even gonna you you're stupid. You really are. You're not it's not even gonna blow the surface off the lid, okay? You're not even gonna scrape a the cinch off of that. You're not even at the tip of the iceberg. You haven't even reached it yet. You know, no amount of money is gonna buy you into heaven. You know, while on earth you have to have, let's say, like 500,000 followers to enter into a nightclub on Instagram, right? You have to have 500,000 followers on Instagram, you know, in heaven to enter heaven. You don't have to have any amount of followers to go into heaven, right? The only thing that's going to matter that's going to get you into heaven is did you have a relationship with Jesus? Did you accept the gift of eternal life? Right? So that's my point. That's my point. To kind of conclude this podcast, look, God condemns favoritism. You know, he condemns it. He doesn't pick favorites. If he did, our planet and heaven would be a complete different place right now. Right? We live in a fractured world. We live in a world that has turned against God. And one day we will return with God and we will never want to leave. But in that presence of God, there is not going to be favorites. There's not going to be somebody who's allowed to, there's not, listen to this. In heaven, there's not going to be somebody who's allowed to eat at the tree of life while somebody else stands across the river and watches, knowing very well that they're not allowed to eat from it. No, everybody will have their fair share. Everybody will be treated equally. Now, Everybody will, will be rewarded unequally, right? Will receive crowns. So, <coughs> excuse me. Some people, were, some people will receive the crown of righteousness. Some people will receive the crown of endearment, right? The crown of life. People will, will receive different crowns for different things that they went through, right? The crown of persecution, I think that's one of them. We will re be rewarded unequally in terms of crowns. Yes, I get that. But... 
at the end of the day, we're all going to experience heaven the same. We're all going to, we're all going to feel the same love. We're going to feel the same excitement, the same joy, the same pleasures, the same everlasting love from the father, the father of hosts, right? We're all going to, we're all going to experience heaven. So when you Mormons sit here and teach that people that go to heaven might not experience the same amount of love as somebody else, you're being very blasphemous and you're being almost, it's almost heresy. Okay. My last message is read your Bible. Cut the shit with this Book of Mormon stuff. Cut the shit with this satanic Bible. Cut it out. All right. Read your Bible. Read your Holy Bible. Start off at Genesis because Genesis is amazing. It's the start of the freaking Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And go all the way to Revelations. Revelations being the ending of the Bible. This, it, you should definitely read Revelations because that stuff's happening soon. But, you know, the rapture, the tribulation, the great tribulation, uh, the second coming, the thousand years, etc. Right? So, um, listen, guys, I, I, I'm going to end this podcast, but... Thank you for listening to season uh, four, episode one today. You hear that? My, my stomach's grumbling. I'm, I'm so hungry. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Lonesome Podcast. I sincerely hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that you took something out of this podcast and really um, it, it connected to you. Please read your Bible. <laughs> I'm asking you nicely. Um, it'll help you. It'll show you the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life for a reason. He's also the one way you can get to heaven, and he is the mediator between God and man. With that being said, if you would like to get in contact with me to befriend me or whatever, or give me your criticism, give me your feedback, especially your feedback, my Instagram is Matthew Palmer with two T's and two R's, and my Snapchat is Lonesome Matt One. If you have any questions whatsoever about uh, biblical, any biblical Bible questions or whatever, ask me. I got you. I'll help you out. Um, other than that, or you just read your Bible and figure it out for yourself if you have to. But other than that, with that being said. Thank you guys for tuning in to Season 4, Episode 1 of the Lonesome Podcast. I've been your host, Matt Palmer. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. I am so hungry right now. I'm going to cry, man.